Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a special late night episode of the Today's Focus podcast series. Now, this was originally designed to be a podcast series that occurred at around, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning is the kind of the way I envisioned it, 9 a.m., 10 a.m. I would turn on the microphone and go, okay, everyone, here is your today's focus. And it was supposed to be designed to be around 15 minutes. And of course, all of the original plan has never really happened that way. It's probably my own lack of self-discipline, but the, but we still are trying to accomplish the basic idea, which is turn on the microphone and say, everyone, here is your today's focus. And well, this is your, well, this evening's focus, your, your night focus for Tuesday, November the 7th, 2023 at 9.39 PM central time. We still are trying to maintain at least the basic concept here, which is to turn on the microphone and go, here you go. Here is something to focus on. Here is something spiritual for you to think about, meditate, focus on, work on, talk about, discuss, to try to, because we know this world is filled with a billion distractions. Everything is constantly going, shh, psst, come here, come here. Not, well, maybe telling you shh, but psst, come here, come here. Over here, over here, over here. Look over here, over here, over and and constantly trying to turn your attention away from scripture, the things of God, God's glory, God's honor, God's purpose, God's kingdom, God's word. It's always like, you know, it's telling you, shh, don't talk about those things. Talk about this. It's telling you, come here, over here, over here, trying to pull your attention away. So I thought trying to have a podcast that tells everyone, here you go, here's here's something to think about, that it would generate conversation, discussion, meditation, which would then be spiritually edifying and beneficial to those who listen. However, when, you t- when it turns into a 40-minute broadcast, then are you really maintaining that original concept of giving someone, you know, because people are distracted. People have a million things to do. Do they need another podcast episode that goes 45 minutes? They probably don't. I say I could sit here and tear everything that I'm trying to do apart, but the original idea is at least intact somewhat. Maybe it doesn't look the way it was originally intended, but I'm still doing my very best turning on the microphone saying, hey, here you go. Look at this, look at this, look at this. And I have been doing my very best. And a roundabout way to say, to try, I'm trying to turn on the microphone telling you, Psst, come here, come here, Psst, come here. Look over here, look over here. Hey, Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14. I've been trying to get people to think about Luke chapter 14. I've been trying to get people to talk about Luke chapter 14. I've been trying to get people to meditate on Luke chapter 14. I have been trying to do my best. I don't know if I've accomplished much, but I have definitely put forth a lot of work and time to try to generate some good conversations in regards to Luke 14. And I don't know if the chapter has captured everyone else's imagination. I don't know if it's captured everyone else's attention. Like it's obviously caught mine. Remember this all started because I had the historical lectionary. I had it sitting right here on this table and I opened it up one day going because I didn't know what to broadcast on. And I'm like, what is the lectionary reading for today? Well, the gospel reading is Luke chapter 14. And that sparked one episode after another episode after another episode. It, it, it led to an entire what hour long sermon at Victory Baptist Church. It led to another episode of the Today's Focus podcast series. And here I am 
Tuesday evening, November the 7th, and well, I'm still looking at Luke chapter 14. Now, I know I should have gotten to this earlier today, but things did not quite work out that way. I had had things to do, so things did not quite work out the way I wanted it to. We did take some time earlier today to talk about the Advent wreath, which I am hoping sparked a little bit of conversation and discussion and maybe gave some people some ideas of something that they could do coming up because Advent will be here December the 3rd and that maybe the Advent wreath will be a an important part of your Advent quote uh, Advent slash Christmas celebration this year and it will be spiritually beneficial. So I am glad I took the time to do that, but while I was focusing on that, my mind has still been Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14. So I'm, we're going to talk about it. And I don't really have, again, a a lot of good answers. I don't have a lot of good answers, but I'm going to do my very best to see if we can accomplish something this evening. So I hope it sounds good. I hope so. All right. I know it's supposed to be 15 minutes long. Obviously, it's not going to be, but hopefully it will be beneficial. So are you ready? Here we go. Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 24. Luke 14, 1 through 24. We can refer to this as Jesus comes to dinner. Because Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 24 is all about Jesus at a dinner. And we kind of broke this passage down into what I'm called like at a meal when you have the, uh, you know, a four course meal or a three course meal. Look, here's the first course of this, you know, spiritual conversation. Here's the second course of this spiritual conversation. I decided to break it down that way, maybe to help it make, make it more memorable and help you be able to grab onto the smaller parts. Now, the first course of this spiritual conversation happens in Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And these are the six verses that seem so out of place to the rest of the chapter, at least at times. There are other times when I'm looking at this going, no, 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 this has to make sense. This has to make sense. But Luke 14.1 gives us the setting. It gets us the setup, right? Luke chapter 14, verse 1. And it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. Jesus is in, uh, Jesus uh, goes into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. He, he comes into a Pharisee's house, a chief Pharisee. To have a meal, to, to as, as the King James says, to eat bread, to have a meal. To, to, he, he comes to dinner. Now, remember, it's a chief Pharisee. There's animosity. They don't like Jesus. They're always trying to trap Jesus. But irregardless, Jesus comes to have a meal with them, which is significant in that culture because to have a meal meant a meant a lot. So he goes there, but they're watching him, which we, we seem to understand that they're just waiting for Jesus to mess up. And it's almost as if Jesus knows that he, that he is there to have a meal, but they are there maybe using the pretense of a meal, like that should show some kind of fellowship or friendship or hospitality. But in reality, they just want him there to set him up to see if he's going to mess up because they have these other motivations, right? At least that's the way it feels to me with the idea that they watched him. Jesus seems to understand what's going on. And he almost as if he launches a preemptive strike, as we have already looked at over the last week. So Jesus is there. There's a certain man before him, which had the dropsy. Jesus answering, spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? He sees a man there who's sick. 
Now, remember at that time and that culture, if there was a, a mill happening and someone kind of well-known or famous was there, a lot of people would come and just watch the mill almost as a form of entertainment to listen to the conversation. So this man doesn't appear to be a part of the dinner party itself. He may be a spectator. Some speculate the Pharisees may have brought, but whatever the case, the sick man is there. Jesus then immediately knows the sick, sick man is there and he looks to the lawyers and the Pharisees. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? They held their peace and he took him. Jesus takes the man who is uh, uh, who has the dropsy and healed him and let him go and answered them saying, which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out of the uh, on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. So they don't really ever engage in a conversation. They just kind of watch. And then Jesus, I mean, we, we're still trying to understand these six verses and nobody really has emailed me with any great explanation. To me, I don't think Jesus here is trying to make a point about the Sabbath day. There's a part of me that wanted to make it about the Sabbath day, right? And we could turn it into a discussion of law, gospel. It seems to me that Jesus is using this to make a point about the Pharisees, the lawyers, the scribes, these religious leaders. And it's almost, I, and I'm not saying, I cannot say this dogmatically. It's almost like Jesus is saying, you care more about your donkey, your ox, your, these material things, these things that indicate material wealth, these things that help you obtain material. You seem to care about these things more than you do with a human being who has a physical element and he's suffering. You would, you would in a sense, rescue an animal that would benefit you, but you would make someone else suffer simply because of your own religious rules. And it seems to indicate a lack of empathy, compassion, love, uh, maybe that their own religious rules has blinded them to the word of God, that their own religiosity, their own legalism has actually what they thought was keeping people from breaking the law. It actually is keeping them from keeping the law. I mean, there's a lot of different ways of looking at it, but to me, it's about the Pharisees. All right. So that was the first course of the spiritual conversation. The second spiritual course happens in verses seven to 11. And Jesus puts forth a parable to those who were bidden when he marked how they chose out of the chief rooms saying unto them, Jesus looks around this meal. He noticed all these people and he know, and he noticed that they all wanted to get the chief seats. They all, all, all wanted to have the place of honor, a place of position, a place of prestige. He noticed. And so he begins to tell, tell a parable and he says this, Hey, when thou art bidden, of any man to a wedding, sit not in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, give this man a place. And thou began with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, friend, go up higher. And then thou shalt have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Now, at least in this section, we have a clear lesson. The clear lesson is this. Don't exalt yourself, because if you do, you're going to be abased. But humble yourself, and then there you'll be exalted. So he's looking around this room. Again, this has to be directed at the Pharisees. And he's basically, look, you guys are all going after the place of position and honor. You're exalting yourself. 
Now, not only are they exalting themselves for the seat, I think it has a deeper picture. They're exalting themselves spiritually. And they've so exalted themselves spiritually that they are blinded to the word of God. They're not following the word of God, even though they think they are. They need to be humbled. Right? So the second course in the spirit, the fir- first course in the spiritual conversation has to do with the, the, ha- the Sabbath and healing. But I think it's really about the Pharisees. The second spirit, the second course in the spiritual conversation has to do with where to sit. And it's really about exalting yourself and humbling yourself. The third course in this spiritual conversation is uh, Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Then he said also to him that bade him. Now he looks to the man who invited him. When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not your friends, nor your brethren, nor your kinsmen, nor the rich neighbor, lest they also bid thee again and recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the, uh, at the resurrection of the just. So he goes to talking about healing in the Sabbath, to where should you sit? Really, you should humble yourself. To who should you invite? And he, in a roundabout way, he's looking at the Pharisees and he's saying, look, stop. You, everything you do is for your own self-advancement, your own self Glory, it's all about you. It's about your rules, your honor, your, you being recompensed, your benefit. In a roundabout way, Jesus seems to be going after the Pharisees for their selfishness, their pride, their arrogance. They're, they're, they're exalting their own traditions and their own, their own ideas above God's word. So, hey, stop, stop doing things for your benefit, do something for someone else's benefit. And you know, when you're doing something for someone else's benefit is when you're doing something for someone who cannot pay you back and you're not going to get anything from it. Now that brings us, I know that's 14 minutes of kind of review, but that brings us to this evening. And we have another section. And once again, I think it has to be about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I think it has to be. But after Jesus just talked about where to sit, well, after Jesus talked about the healing and the Sabbath, where to sit and who to invite, then someone who was at there eating with them said this. He's there at the table. He's eating. And he, he, he's been listening to all of these things, listening to all the first three courses of this spiritual conversation. He said unto him, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, immediately this person, I don't know what they're thinking. Like this is, this text leaves me so confused at time. Like he's like, all of a sudden he just turns this into the kingdom of God. He just turns this. I don't know if the man's like, you know what? <laughs> Trying to figure out how to do this in this world. Where should I sit? Who should I invite? That's all crazy and confusing. But blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Is this person trying to kind of... Now, oh, this is, this is wild speculation here, okay? So hear me out. If this is one of the individuals who's sitting at meat with him. This has to be one of the lawyers, one of the scribes, one of the Pharisees. It seems that's the only people at this meal, right? Now, I could be way wrong on this. I could be so wrong on this. 
But does it seem like that this person is like, hey, I don't want to talk about, you're talking about, you know, healing on the Sabbath. Can we, can we not? You're talking about where we're supposed to sit. You're talking about who we're supposed to invite. Maybe all of that is convicting. Maybe all of that is irritating. I don't know. But this man all of a sudden just leaves these matters and just goes, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Does it come across as kind of sanctimonious? Like, like I, I'm going to ignore everything you're saying and I'm just going to say, blessed Whoever will be eating bread in the kingdom of God, they will be blessed. I'm not going to worry about these issues. I'm not going to worry about humbling myself. I'm not going to worry about about placing other people before myself. I'm not going to worry about maybe that I'll put your word, uh, my my tradition before your word. I'm going to ignore all of that. And I'm just going to go to blessed is the man. Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Do you think it's like a it's almost like to try to ignore the conversation. I don't know how to interpret verse 15. Does the person, like, I don't know what the person is doing in verse 15. I don't know. There's a part of me is like, hey, 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 look, that's, you're getting way too personal here. <laughs> you're, you're stepping on some toes. Hey, blessed. Hey, don't you agree? Blessed is the person that will eat bread in the kingdom of God. I mean, can't we all agree there? Can't we all agree on that? Is this the person trying to diffuse it? Is it trying to distract? Trying to deflect? Is this a person trying to cover their own conviction with spirit being extra spiritual? I don't I don't know how to interpret verse 15. I don't know. I don't I don't know. How do you interpret it? I mean, I, I've tried to get you to read this passage all week. What did you do with 15? Did you find yourself going, I, I don't know, or did you just skip it? I don't know. I'm just going to quickly. I'm, now, this may be of no value, may be, may be of no benefit, but I'm just going to look really quick at Luke 14, 15. I'm going to go to Google I, because I don't know the answer to this question. I don't know the answer to this question, but it just, the passage... This, this passage just constantly provides these almost confusing verses, all right? So I'm going to go to Luke 14. I'm going to t- type in Luke 14, 15. I'm going to look for biblehub.com, all right? I'm going to look at just quickly at all the English translations of verse 15, the New International Version. When one of those at the table with him heard this, now, it seems like heard this is that the, the last or all of all the things that's all the three things Jesus has talked about, the healing, where to sit and who to invite. I don't know. But he says to, he says to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat the feast in the kingdom of God. The New Living Translation, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Like, I, let's not worry about where we sit and who we invite here, what matters is that we're going to be eating bread in the kingdom of God. It, it seems like this is much a, a distracting. Uh, he's trying to de- deflect um, uh, the Berean literal Bible. And when one of these reclining with him have heard these things, he said, blessed is he who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. I, I don't know why this person goes there. Now, if we start looking at some of the commentaries, um, now, 
This is how one commentary puts it. The form of the exclamation was obviously determined by the words which our Lord Jesus had spoken. It may have been a more or less familiar formula among devout Jews who expected the coming of the Christ. It may have embodied some recollections of the great discourse at Capernaum in John chapter 6. On the whole, it seems more natural to see it as a burst of honest, unwanted enthusiasm kindled by sympathy with what our Lord had said than to regard it as a spoken hypocritically with a view to drawing from his lips some heretical utterance that might ensure his condemnation. So they, they think it's better to see it as like, this person's excited. After hearing these things, he's like, blessed is he that will eat bread in the kingdom of God. I don't know how those three things Sabbath and the healing, where to sit and who to invite would lead you to just break out into, hey, blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. I, I don't get it. I don't see it. This commentary doesn't offer real reason why. Now, he's saying that they, they vote against the idea that this man was saying it in a hypocritical way and trying to draw Jesus into some kind of heretical statement. I don't see that that is motivation. To me, the motivation would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Talking about who we can and can't heal on the Sabbath, that's controversial. Telling us not to take the positions of honor and, and these good seats, but to humble ourselves, that's controversial. Telling us that we got to invite the, the broken, hurt, poor, sick people to our feet. No, that's all. And I, I feel like it's to distract. Um, now here, uh, this commentary just completely ignores it. <laughs> uh, I, I see here. Um, okay, wait, wait now. Okay. They, they kind of, they kind of ignore it. I'm just going to read all of this. They kind of ignore it at the beginning. Uh, in other words, when they quote the verse, they don't quote that part, but I'm going to read this entire paragraph and see if, if we pick this up. This is from the pulpit commentary. All right, here we go. One of those who were partaking of the banquet and had witnessed this entire scene now speaks to the stranger guest. He had looked on the miracle performed for the afflicted man. He had heard the wise words spoken by the Galilean rabbi. He had listened to the gentle and yet pungent rebuke to the Pharisees for their hospitality to the rich and the great. Uh, he had marked the quiet reminder as to the many sufferers who really stood in the need uh, so plentifully spread for those who wanted them not. He had been specially struck by the mention of the recompense which the just who remembered the poor would receive at the resurrection. This quiet observer, noticing that the master's remarks were touching upon the recompense of the just in the world to come, now breaks in with a remark on the blessedness of him who should eat bread in the kingdom of God. These words do not seem to have been spoken in a mocking spirit, but to have been the genuine outcome of the speaker's admiration of the guest who uh, so hated and yet so wondered at. There is no doubt lurking in the words a certain uh, Pharisaic self-congratulation a something which sim seems to simply imply, yes, that blessedness to which you, O oh Master, are alluding, I'm looking forward confidently to share in. How happy it will be for us, Jews as we are, when the time comes for us to sit down at the banquet in the kingdom of heaven. All right. 
I don't see it so much as an attempting to pull away from these conversations, but almost as a lack of self-awareness. Hey, hey, you know, we will be recompensed at the resurrection. We will eat bread in the kingdom of God. We're, we're all okay. They see it as almost a, a an arrogance, a spiritual arrogance that this person is convinced that that he will eat bread in the kingdom and that they will, that the Pharisees will. I don't know if I see it that way either. All right, I'm going to look here some of these others. All right. Um, okay. Okay, this is not helpful. That's not helpful. Okay, a lot of these are just thinking that the person here who said this just was like, hey, we're going to be in the kingdom. We're going to be, they they just kind of like didn't even hear any of these rebukes, I guess. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It says, uh, Matthew Poole's commentary, whether this person had any gross conceptions of the kingdom of God as a state of external happiness and sensible satisfaction, I cannot say, though it be the opinion of some valuable interpreters. He might mean no more than blessed is he that shall come to heaven and enjoy the celestial pleasures and satisfactions there. For that blessed state is called the marriage supper of the lamb. But it doesn't really tell us why he's saying this. All right, now, uh, Gill's exposition of the Bible says, this person heard these things which were spoken by Christ and was pleased and affected with them, though he was ignorant. He said unto him, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God in the world to come in the kingdom of, of the Messiah concerning feasting in which the Jews had entertained very gross notions and which this man was reminded of by Christ making mention of the resurrection of the just and recompense at that time, which the Jews expected at the Messiah's coming. They suppose that God will make a splendid feast, a sumptuous entertainment in which besides bread, which they call the bread of the kingdom and the bread of the world to come, there will be a great variety of flesh, fish, fowl, plenty of generous wine, and all sorts of delicious fruit. Um, Okay, so they're saying that this person was just like, hey, Jesus talked about there being a recompense and and the conversation before. And it's like, okay, we're going to be recompensed. We're going to be paid back at the resurrection. We're going to get this great bread and this great meal. That this person just seemed oblivious to everything that comes before. When you look at all of these commentaries, no one really has a great idea what's going on. I, I don't think any of these really. Okay, no, now here we go. Cambridge Bible for schools and colleges. This one may be going the direction I want. He may have wanted to diminish the force of the rebukes implied in the previous lessons by a vapid general remark. All right, so this one does go with the idea that he's just trying to diminish the rebukes and just trying to change the subject. Hey, hey, let's talk about how blessed we'll be in in the kingdom. Let's not rebuke everyone. Maybe that at least the Cambridge Bible for schools and colleges seems to think that. They go on to say, at any rate, he seems to have, uh, he seemed 
to have assumed that he would be one of those who would sit at the heavenly feast, which would inaugurate the new you know, time period and which from which like all Jews, he held it to be almost inconceivable that any circumcised son of Abraham should be excluded. Hence the warning involved in this parable, which was meant to prove how small, uh, how small was the real anxiety to accept the divine invitation. All right. So nobody seems to really know what's going on at verse 15. It seems so out of place. It's just all of a sudden in the middle of, of, there's no other way to look at it. Rebuke, rebuke, rebuke. And those three rebukes have to be for the Pharisees that are there. And then all of a sudden a man sitting around. Now, unless this man is not a Pharisee, okay. And he's like, hey, none of these people are getting in. Blessed the the rest of us, unless this man is, but you would think that the people at the table are all Pharisees, scribes, lawyers. You think they were. So is this man seems to be oblivious to the rebukes. He just doesn't hear the rebukes. It, it kind of reminds me. I'm not saying this is perfect. I don't remember how many years ago it was. It was a, it was a long time ago. Paul Washer preached a sermon on the 10 indictments against the modern church or something like that. And I remember everywhere I went, people are like, this is the greatest sermon I've ever heard. This is so good. Everyone needs to hear it. I'm sharing it on social media because everyone needs to hear it. And in every situation where someone would tell me how great a sermon it was, I'd be like, oh, what church do you go to? And then I would go look at their church website. And I'm like, you do realize the church you go to is condemned by Paul Washer in that sermon. Well, I mean, I mean, my church isn't perfect. Well, why don't you go try to find a church that's not being condemned by? And time and time again, even even people who attended my church, where we tried not to do any of those things that he was condemning in, in that sermon. I mean, we I, I think we we're one of those churches that doesn't do anything like any of the other churches. We're about as opposite as you can be. There were people in my church who ended up going to churches that would be condemned by the sermon by Paul Washer, and they were some of the bigger supporters of it. So it's like, do you not see? <laughs> Can you listen to something and not realize you are being rebuked? You are being condemned? Like, I I, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on here. What, does anybody know what's going on in verse 15? But I do know this. Jesus literally says to the man who says this. Now, this is where it comes down to play here, right? This is where if we're going to find an answer. It has to happen right now. Jesus literally speaks unto the man who just said, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And immediately, Jesus doesn't say, you're right. Aren't you excited that you're going to be eating bread in the kingdom of God? He doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, amen, this is true. He just immediately said unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. Now, Jesus is basically telling another story, another parable. All right. Okay. You want to talk about eating bread in the kingdom? Well, let me tell you a story where someone is going to make a great supper. And he began to invite people. And he sent his servant, he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. So a certain man sent his servant at supper time. Now, Jesus is there, maybe at supper time, right? Maybe there. And 
And so Jesus is telling this story. I don't know if this man would be like, well, wait a minute. Is, is, he, is he referring to himself? Is he the one that was sent? But someone is sent at supper time. Look at here. And, he, and, and to say to them that we're bidden, he says to all of these people, come for all things are now ready. Hey, come on, come on. There's going to be this great supper. And they all with one consent begin to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of ground. and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. The second one, and another said, I have bought five oxen, yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Now, Jesus begins to tell the story of people being invited, but they don't want to come. They don't want to. Why? Well, because they care more about well, what, what do they care more about? You, 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 you can break, if you want to break these into category, the first one, is it, I have, I've bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. Is it, is this, this one cares more about material things or work or their business? Another one, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. Does this man care more about, I don't know. I mean, and all of this seems, I don't know if we can break these into different categories, but these seem to all clearly be indications that they care more about themselves, their advancement, their material wealth, their future, their career, their property. The other one said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Hey, I can't go to the supper. I can't go to this supper. Now, on one hand, we would look at it and go, well, if someone just invited you to dinner and you're like, well, hey, I bought some property I got to go look at. I, I got to take care of these oxen or, or I've got to do something with my wife. We would obviously say, well, that's perfectly acceptable. So Jesus clearly is not telling a story of just any kind of supper. He's obviously talking about the supper, about the kingdom of God. He's, he's almost like, yo, you talk about eating bread in the kingdom of God. Well, let me tell you, there's someone was sent to invite people to this feast in the kingdom of God, but everyone started making excuses because everyone was putting themselves, they put these other things before wanting to be in the kingdom of God. They started making excuses. That's the only way to interpret this. They don't want to come. They don't want the kingdom of God. They want their own self-advancement, their own pleasure, their own purpose. They don't want anything else. Is that, is that not the only way to, 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 to see this? Is he trying? Is Jesus trying to say, hey, Pharisees, you still don't get it. You don't, you I've been invited to the feast to break bread in the kingdom of God, but you don't want it. You've put everything before yourself. You don't want the kingdom of God. You don't want anything to do with it. You just want your own religious rules, your own benefit, your own honor, your own everything. I mean, this is a little, well, we could go to an Old Testament, a minor prophet here to look at it. Just remember when, when they came back from Babylonian captivity, and the book of Haggai, they come back from Babylonian captivity and God is kind of mad at them because they're all living in homes, but the, the temple is in disarray. 
And God's like, when are you, you've, you've made sure you've got a house to live in. You've made sure your house looks nice. What about the temple? You have put your own selves before the temple of the living God. And they get rebuked for it in Haggai chapter one. You can read it. I almost want to turn over there, but, but for the sake of time, I will not. They don't get, so is, is, is he trying to show the, look, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. So then look what he says, verse 21. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things that the master of the house being angry said to the servant, go out quickly uh, into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt and the blind. Now that's exactly who Jesus told them to invite. Hey, the next time you have a feast, the next time you have a dinner, the next time you have a meal, Stop inviting all of the your friends and everyone that can benefit you. What did he tell them to do? Go uh, and invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the lame, and the blind. And look what he says right here. Go the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. It's almost the exact same word verbiage. Someone was invited, but you wouldn't come. He, to me, this has to be directed at the Pharisees because all of this has been directed at them. They will not realize. Listen, they will not acknowledge. They will not see themselves as being. Are you ready for this? They do not see themselves as being the lame, uh, the, uh, the, the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. They do not see themselves as being poor, maimed, halt, and blind. They don't see it. They see themselves as religious because of their own religious traditions, their own religious rules. They see themselves as people who deserve the seats of honor. They will not humble themselves. They see, they see themselves as doing the right thing by inviting their friends because look at how nice I am, even though they're doing it for motives of being recompensed and paid back. So, but when they're invited, they would not come. They're not interested in coming because they want everything to be about them. And so he says, look, they weren't invited. Go invite these people. Now, to me, now is this a picture of, of the Pharisees? It's a picture of, of Israel in general. They would not come. They would not heed the call of the Messiah to come unto him. They refused. They ignored Christ, they ignored the son of God. He came unto his own and his own did not understand. They did not see. They, 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 they refused to come to him. And so he's going to go to the Gentiles, Romans chapter 11, which is what been a lectionary reading for the last almost week. Bring in the Gentiles. They can't, they don't see themselves that way. They, they are so blinded by their own religiosity that they cannot see their own sin and their own arrogance and their own need. They can't see their need. They don't have a need. And this is the way they're thinking. I don't have a need to go to the, the, the supper of the Messiah. I don't need that because, well, I've got, I've got, look, I got, I got this, I got property. I got oxen. I got a wife. I don't need anything else. They can't perceive that they are really poor, blind, maimed, and halt. 
And verse 22, and the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in and that my house may be full. For I say to you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now that, that seems to have to be a direct re- that has to be going after the man in 15. The man in the 15 is like, hey, blessed is he who, who will eat bread in the kingdom. And then Jesus tells this story. No, 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 no. You see, some of you who think you're going to eat. You, no, no, you refuse to come. So I'm going to go get these people who you would never invite, who you wouldn't, you wouldn't want anything to do with it because clearly the Pharisees wouldn't want to eat with a Gentile. And, and that's how the conversation ends. That's how the conversation ends in verse 24. It's just over. And then after in verse 25, Jesus has left the mill and the people are following him and he's going to turn and have something to say to them. And tomorrow, that's the lectionary reading starting in verse 25. But the lectionary reading today is fifth is well, I think it's 16 to 24, but you can't read 16 without 15. So I'm going to put 15 to 24. I'd have to look at a, a, my lectionary to know for sure if they add 15 or not. But even if they don't add it, we have to add it because it's got to be there. That 15 is, is what is going on there. But all, I think almost everyone seems to agree that Jesus is going after the Pharisees. It has to be going after the I mean, the whole chapter is about the Pharisees. And the Pharisees may represent Israel, at least in part. This man, there's rebuke. And instead of heeding the rebuke, instead of realizing, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We do need to be humbled. We do need to be willing to bring in the poor and the blind so that we're not recompensed. We need, we need to be worried about other people. We need to care about other people. Instead of realizing how far they have fallen short, the man's like, hey, blessed is he who partakes of bread in the kingdom, seemingly to imply that, hey, stop worrying about this rebuke. We're all going to be in the kingdom. I mean, we're Jews. We're, we're the Pharisees. We're the Sadducees. We're the lawyers. And Jesus immediately says, hey, no, 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 no. There was this great supper and someone was sent, a servant was sent at supper time to invite But you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't listen. How, how, how do we find ourselves like the Pharisees, not hearing the rebuke, not seeing our own sin, exalting ourselves, only doing things for the, for the most selfish reasons, and being, we almost blind ourselves to God's word because of our own religious tradition and our own religious ideas. The key is to understand and acknowledge that I'm poor. I'm blind. I'm lame. I'm halt. Because once you humble yourself and acknowledge all of that, then the invitation comes to you. But you'll never heed an invitation if you don't perceive yourself to be poor and blind. And so the Jews, because of their spiritual arrogancy, they're blinded. God's going to bring in the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. 
What excuses do you make? Now, I don't think this is a passage that says, oh, try not to make these excuses, try to do better. I think this is a passage where you have to learn to see yourself as, well, we're just like the Pharisees. And again, I would, I would recommend this Luke 14 passage, connect it to Matthew 23. And you may want to look at Haggai chapter one as well. All right, I'm going to stop there. There's so much more I'd like to say. I know that that, well, again, no, this is exactly the way today's focus is supposed to be. I, I, I try to just present something to you for you to think about and work on. So for those who hear this tonight, great. For those who wake up tomorrow and hear this, you've got an entire day to work on this, to just think about it, to, to try to understand exactly what is going on here in this crazy chapter. And, and I don't know how you interpret verse 15, but man, that's a, Verse 15 is a, a hermeneutics class <laughs> exercise right there. But I'd love to get your thoughts. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. And that is a special late night episode of today's focus for Tuesday, November the 7th, 2023. May God bless you as you think and meditate on Luke chapter 14.